President Biden taps Kamala Harris. And welcome to episode number 156 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, April 30th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where crypto is up. And yeah, I got the jab. And from America's left coast, where as if we needed a new incentive to go viral, now you can sell your NFTs. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, no, everybody could sell their NFTs, but they're not. Uh-oh. Why? Who? Yeah. Oh, my first my first story is about NFTs, how uh, uh, Disaster Girl, which I had no idea this was the name of the meme, but it's like a little four year old kid who is is looking devilishly at the camera while a house burns in the background. That picture, I think we've all seen it. Uh, it it's been a meme forever. And the girl in that, uh, of course, this was a New York Times story, so it had lots of, of uh, human interest bullshit with it. But ah. uh, effectively, um, she got herself a publicist. And uh, she sold an NFT of the original meme, whatever original means in the context of of Internet pictures. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, this picture has been copied a hundred million times in memes everywhere. But uh, somehow the original is now been turned into an NFT and sold for 180 Ether, which, uh, according to Doug, as of this morning, is uh, about four hundred ninety six thousand dollars. Ethereum. But yes, yeah, that's the ETH. This is, was on my radar as well, because when we talked about doing the mining, even on crappy little systems like the two that I have, because they're not mining rigs, they're just normal desktops as purchased from Dell. And I'm not a gamer, so I don't buy the latest, greatest video card. How this was chugging along. And the last time I had gotten a payout, I think I was making fun of it a little bit, or maybe it was the first time because I've gotten three now, but was one of those first two times of getting the payout. I told you, oh, you know, I was expecting like 75 or 80 bucks, but it was only like 60 because it was down. The latest payout came overnight between yesterday and today. The 0.05 Ethereum, $138.77. So it is way up over the last month. That's it's nuts. Yeah, it's probably all those new NVIDIA GPUs hitting the market. Well, they all want to get the Ethereum, but this makes again, we talked about what the actual cost was on this on crappy systems. And this was in under a month's time being able to pull out one hundred and thirty eight dollars worth of crypto for just running the machines usually overnight. And uh, the one I mean, that's coffee money. Yeah. It is uh, money out of nowhere. The beauty of today's society, I suppose, which I mean, I get it. People don't trust the governments around the world and rightfully so. But thinking you can trust random cryptocurrencies to hold their value. And we've seen the roller coaster ride they've been on over the last few weeks that they've gone way up. And I wish, you know, you always go, hey, I should have bought the dip because this was way down. Just about a week or two ago, 
And it's the volatility that is, uh, it makes it fun, but it's gambling. It can go to zero. Yeah. We keep saying that, but. I mean, buy, buy the dip is you, you You can always kick yourself for missing a dip and not buying it. But oh, one of the one of the chapters I ended up naming for the, the previous for Monday's Grumpy Old Ben's show was uh, I put the chapter called there will always be another dip. Yeah, <laughs> which is true. And there's a lot of dips who buy when it's not dipped. And then they're the ones who are losing. And, yeah. Buy high, sell low. And I can only imagine and the higher you are when you buy. <laughs> lower you're gonna sell <laughs> probably and a lot of people that are playing this game as newbies and a lot of people that are playing this game that don't understand what's going on you know there were a lot of people that took a loss and went oh my god it's crashing and then sold off and then it immediately zoomed back up and this is where the insanity lies when again this is where the fun lies because if you're you should treat it if you're going to invest in crypto now if you're going to play the game and i've suggested trying this and i haven't if you're going to try to play a game where you say because these things just looking at the range that the crypto is hit doesn't even matter which one if you look at the range they're hitting within a 24-hour period you can play this like day trader. I think we talked about where you buy low when it hits that point in the day. And then when it gets high, you sell and then you hold that cash. And when it gets back to the low point, you buy more. And you know, there definitely seems to be a, a little bit of a daily cycle. Yes, at yeah. least, you know, and that's where people can try to make some big bucks. But obviously, if you play it wrong, you're screwed. I'm more of the buy a crypto that you think is going to go up. And let it sit kind of like with stocks. If you're looking at it minute by minute, day by day, in order to try to make changes or be, I'm going to pull it out or I'm going to do whatever, you're probably going to end up screwing yourself. But yeah, I'm I, I'm more of a, a miss all of the trends that could turn me into a millionaire and instead go broke starting a podcast go podcasting. Of. Right. It's OK to go podcasting as long as you don't go through a lot of microphones like the podfather Adam Curry. Ooh. Yeah, it would, the, the microphone costs have got to be killer on that show. Yes. I mean, like it's only each microphone's only lasting a show or two now. And I'm going along with the fact since you bought the Electro Voice RE320, you have doomed at least the podfather. It is the most plausible explanation is that somehow I took away all of, of Adam's RE320 mojo. Yeah, it seems like that's all crashed, although I'm using the RE20, which Dvorak. John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda Show keeps selling Adam to try because it's the big boy microphone. And the one thing that the RE20s have always been known for, well, they've been around a lot longer than the 320. The 320 is a slight downstep in quality and cost. The RE20s have been broadcast radio staples for decades. And I think everybody understands broadcast radio microphones are beat to crap and the re20s have always been known for being able to be beat to crap on a day-to-day basis by multiple people who are jostling them around and don't know what they're doing and hey, i would have thought that the 320 had a, a similar construction it should i mean the thing's heavy enough to beat a zombie to death with <laughs> it should well then the 20 i think is almost a pound heavier with the, <laughs> wow. the stuff that's inside of it so it's an interesting uh, design because they do look exactly alike there's just different paint jobs on them and they sound relatively close 
And uh, I should do a uh, a video at one point that shows the difference. I know Banjo, our buddy over at Podcastage, did that. So if anybody's interested, you can hit up YouTube for that. But with the gear for podcasting, I mean, we're both on Motu devices now. And we may have mentioned on one of the previous shows that the device I use, the Motu MK4, finally had a, well, not finally, it hasn't been around that long, but it's predis- it's uh, the, no, well, this would be the predecessor to its replacement. I can speak good words today. The MK5 just came no, out. No worse than usual. True. The MK5 came out and they changed one major thing. It, it was great looking at the stats and the specs on this because overall the preamps were better. A lot of the electronics were better. The stats were better on the audio that it could produce. But the one thing they changed was the interface of the unit and went from being something that you just accessed using your web browser. Because now if I want to make all the changes in the Motu and do any of the mixing, I just go to an IP address on my local network and it all pops up in a web browser. And that's where everything is done. So you can do it on your desktop. You can do it on a laptop. You can do it on a tablet. Anything that can connect to a local IP address, you can make the changes with. Now they've made it an app. Oh, God. I, I, I was about to say that the, the real benefit to that system, by the way, is that it doesn't have to be the computer that you're talking into. Right. It could be, you know, a nearby engineer or something who's working. Um, the, the downside to that system, I, I just want to point out because we, we, I think we both got to experience the half hour of, of messing with trying to break the new microphone in <laughs> during previous to no agenda yesterday. And I, I could just, I could feel the delay listening to the stream of every time that Adam was using the mouse to drag a slider up or down on, on his, on his page. And when, when it was happening, I was like, this is, this is all, he's doing all this digitally on a web page, isn't he? And you, you know, they, you told me that's what the Motu does. I don't have that Motu, but um, the, the channel strip you told me to do has physical knobs, which are, I've already said are way more satisfying to turn. And I, I also think that it, it might be cleaner to try to, like, if you're trying to figure out the right mix for a microphone, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, there's there's I, pluses I could feel, and minus. I could feel every time Adam clicked on a slider and, and moved, like I could feel the UI, right. I, you know, having, having recently written that, that chapters app and, and dipped my toe into UI coding, which was something I swore to myself I would never do again. I, I just am feeling just how clunky putting UI on a screen is when I'd rather just you give me a physical knob. And the more complex it gets, the worse it gets when you're trying to come up with stuff like that. I still like the physical channel strips because I think they do a better job than the digital channel strips when you're doing things oh, i can't tell that i just like the knobs well the knobs are fun too but when you're doing compression and the noise gate and the eq i mean everything these old units that have been used in professional radio for years they do the job pretty well and you're not taking processing power with that said the new mk5 has a completely different interface which is a downloaded program that you have and, to have on the computer apparently an app well, it's, uh, I mean, I call it an app, but I'm just a program. Yeah, I mean, more you, have or less. To, 
Do you, do you have to put it on your phone? No, no. It's an app on. <laughs> uh, I call it an app, but it is a program for your Mac or your Windows machine to access the interface. And the one thing I noticed when watching the videos, and it took a while for them to get their instruction manual for the device online, and that's fine. But I noticed that the way you do the routing in the old one is gone. And the way you do the routing on the old one was confusing until you learn how to do it. But it made a huge grid of all the inputs and all the outputs. And you could make anything route to anywhere when it came to any of those channels on your Windows machine or your Mac machine. And you could decide to run anything wherever you wanted, which is how it sounds like a PCB. It's beautiful. Because when you have multiple people on the show, when I have you in one window and Larry in another and cold acid in another, you could connect all three. You can do basically three mix minus connections that way. So I can record you all individually. Well, I guess the people at Motu never understood that this was something people were doing because it's gone in the new software. Totally gone. So the updated unit actually has less features. And when does that happen in any kind of computer gear? Like, I mean, what, what you just described sounds like the kind of thing that, that, that I would be dangerous if I were given that power. I would probably abuse it. I'd probably end up doing a podcast with a soundboard or something. Well, yeah. And, and nobody wants that. But it, that, that's a toy. I mean, yes, that's a feature that lots of people will want. And you hear that with Adam Curry a lot when something doesn't seem right. He's like, wait, where's this being routed? Where's this being routed? That's oh, the, yeah. that's exactly because the Motu, it was a confusing system to see where it sounds everything's like going. Need, sounds like someone needs to write an app. Well, I think Motu may because we've kicked them a little bit. And it's like, do you not understand what that feature allowed? And maybe they thought nobody was using it. Although, again, it's weird to I mean, I understand dumbing the interface down but give us the ability it's kind of like um i was looking the other day on the cody box that i built where you could change all of the different settings in the cody box and there's you have to actually change a thing in a slider it's like do you want the basic controls the intermediate controls or the i might screw everything up professional controls Ooh, ooh, give me those (laughs) that's what i asked for and the same thing the motu can do that which is There's nothing wrong with dumbing down the interface and hiding stuff you think people will never use to make it the interface a little better. As long as it exists for the people who need to use it. Yes, exactly. And I'm hoping they bring it back because I would like to upgrade, but I'm not going to spend 600 bucks on a unit that does less than the one that I have and doesn't do the multi-tracking I need. And it's like, well, how hard is that? Come on, do it, Motu. I mean, this is also a country, uh, a company that hates all Linux users. <laughs> well, it comes down to writing drivers, which means anybody can write the driver. It's just a question, I guess, of finding the Linux users that want to do that. And I guess Motu just they're making that business decision again, which is, well, nobody that or not enough people are doing this. When it comes to the routing, not enough people are using Linux over Windows or Mac, so they go the route that they do. And hopefully, you know, you get enough pushback. And if there was enough people that were, you know, going to them and saying, hey, give us the ability to do this. And I'm not even sure why it's that hard, because 
the controls for the processing, you're still accessing the unit itself to make the changes. So it, this, again, is just a, a a user interface that's doing nothing but changing the settings. And we all know from working with files in Linux systems, there's a lot of things where you go through and you scroll and scroll and scroll and you find what you want to change. And then you change that and you save it in a text editor. And that's how everything's done. Well, that's exactly what's going on in the box. It's just you want a pretty user interface so that the average music producer or podcast producer doesn't have to spend 45 minutes finding what they want. I get that I'm weird. You are. But that text file interface is actually exactly what I want. (laughs) Well, you can because you can see exactly what it is that you want to do. And, the, and because I can write scripts and, and code that modifies the text file way in, in every way that I possibly want, instead of being shown uh, the the sliders and icons that that they think that I want. I, yeah. I get it. I'm, I'm a little bit weird. Not many people want to go and write a shell script in order to modify their config files the way that I do. But well, even knowing just, that's there. Remember, I had a problem early on in Grumpy Old Ben's. At least it seems like a while ago now where one of the NAS devices wouldn't do the Samba share correctly. And I finally tracked down, instead of going through the pretty UI, I finally tracked down the settings file in Linux on the system. And there was a bunch of stuff that was like duplicated, which was totally screwing with the ability for the system's UI to make the correct changes. And once I realized that, I was able to manually correct everything and for it to work but most people which is where the problem lies most people are like what's uh what's an ini file or whatever <laughs> and it's it's on from there yeah well after you described the the app i i'm gonna take back some of the things that i said about the web interface i, I kind of like that one now the web interface worked really well and the nice thing about the web I, interface I can also, also write custom javascript to to automate things well, the nice thing was, and I don't, I didn't see this, although I haven't played with it, but and I don't know how it would work if there is actually an app when besides, you know, again, I know there's interchangeable words and people will be upset when I say app, when I mean, it's actually something on the machine, but the interface that goes through the web browser, you could on the system that I have now, the MK4, there's an extra little added section for touch meaning there's a something built in already that is if you're coming in on a tablet whether it's android or ios doesn't matter sure your tablet accesses that and it gives you what looks like an old-fashioned mixing board and you can just drag the sliders up and down and that like you said it doesn't have to be the same machine that that turns an ipad into a mixing board that's almost as good as having physical dials yes i thought so I mean, I mean this assuming is, your iPad doesn't crash. Well, right. Well, and if but it that does, hardly ever happens. And if it does, it's not mission critical because that doesn't mean the Mochu yeah. is going to crash. You just yeah. reboot the and thing. If and it, if it does, you just throw the iPad away, grab the next one off the pile. Well, there's always a new iPad coming out. There is. That's what you that's why you keep getting the new ones, the newer, the greater, the better. They keep going up in price. So, it's great. I dug I dug into this uh, selling NFTs of memes thing a little bit more. Uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to come up with a, a, a racket that I feel like we should have got into. Um, I tried. <laughs> I, well, not just selling NFTs, but uh, 
the the name I came across was a guy by the name of Ben Lashes, who is the quote manager of uh, of Disaster Girl. Uh, you know, the story was it was a human interest story about how uh, Zoe Roth is her name, and she uh, is is now twenty one and is going through college, and and how tough it's been being the the person behind the meme, despite the fact that you know once she went through puberty nobody can recognize well, I was her gonna say does she look the girl, same now I no mean, she that- doesn't they, they actually had a current picture of her and her dad who was the one who took the picture and uh she doesn't look anything like the little kid anymore because you know who looks like they did when they did at five after they've gone through puberty but uh you know of course uh it 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 it's all about her emotions and how she feels about having had all of this unwanted success on the internet and everything you know exposure uh, whatever but uh this ben lashes guy this sounds like the entrepreneur that, that the story should have been about um he uh he says his clients have cumulatively made over two million dollars in nft sales his clients are he claims to represent so far grumpy cat ridiculously photogenic guy scumbag steve neon cat and success kid and and this by the way is his next gig after a band called the lashes which his name is ben lashes so i i I mean that band was destined to go places but he he stepped up to contacting the people who are the subjects of memes that went viral and saying Hey, you could make some real money off of your accidental fame. Just sell NFTs. Uh, he's also the marketing guy behind the wildly successful 2014 movie Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. I'm not familiar with this great thing. I was not either, uh, but I checked it out on Rotten Tomatoes and it has a score of 27%. Oh, well, it must be good then. It must be. There are yeah. still questions. Our expert C-Mike was in the troll room earlier asking if we had ever covered nfts and i'm like well okay uh, only a little bit i'm like go to yeah, random I loved thoughts. Your response you covered it on on, on random thoughts right. and then we covered it again on grumpy old bens with me interrupting you right it was the same information just with interruptions but one that piece of art is still sitting there because i'm not powerful and famous enough to sell an nft which is yeah, all this comes to, down to you missed a step you needed to become a meme Yes, I was. was, I was the inauguration meme. Come on, everybody. Maybe I should get that in. I mean, you should have pushed it harder. It was unfortunate that Adam Curry called this all as a scam early on. Otherwise, no agenda producers might have been jumping in the the NFT space. But it still doesn't make sense to me. This. Well, you're just buying the certificate of authenticity, but getting nothing with it. That's what you're buying. A digital certificate of authenticity. That's what an NFT is. I I saw some some great memes uh, come across NAS over the last week or so, which said uh, it was the, you know, the standard you wouldn't download a car from from the anti-copyright piracy, whatever. I would Uh, if I could. And and it said you wouldn't screenshot an NFT. Well, (laughs) of course I would. Yeah. (laughs) Who wouldn't? Right. I mean, if that's all that you can do to prove you own something to show somebody a screenshot on your phone that looks like a wallet, like I own this. I, I mean, I was. Uh, my my mom is, has left Hawaii for the first time since the lockdowns began, and uh, she's she's doing a cruise because, you know, once you reach once you reach a certain age, you're like, I don't care what's going on in the world. I'm going to go enjoy myself. And I wish her the greatest of luck. I think she's leaving today. But uh, she was so proud to show me uh, her 
uh, proof of vaccination card and her images of the negative COVID tests. And, uh, you know, she shows me the, the CDC card says I got vaccinated. I'm like, yeah, I've got one of those too. <laughs> you know, she's like, you got vaccinated. No, I got a card and got I a can card and I can tell you because I actually have one of the real cards that they're just paper with black printing on it with nothing I'm sure they are. that would keep you from making a billion copies of these. And, you know, just the, the pharmacist just wrote in the lot number, which I guess is important if people start dropping dead uh, of the vaccine. And that was it. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if, if you get a bad batch, that, that is an important piece of information, but I mean, that's all in a database. I don't, you know, if, if the, if the cards weren't being used by a bunch of private companies as uh, as we want you to prove that you got the jab and and therefore, you know, this is the only proof you have. So show me the image of the card. Otherwise, it would be it would be treated with all the deference of a store receipt. Well, that's all it is. I mean, and you can know, you know what, to be fair, you can make copies of the CDC vaccination card easier than you can make a copy of most store receipts. That's probably true because they're all faded, have the black lines on them the, from the heat. Fill, yeah. yeah. On the different paper. Usually you'd have to at least go out and get some paper that, you know, ran through a thermal printer or something I, like oh, that. The ther- oh, the thermal printers. The- I remember there, there was one time I was trying to turn in receipts for a, an expense report at work. And and one of them, I don't know what the hell kind of thermal paper this was. It disappears. But, <laughs> well, I, I, I put it all on, you know, you, you, you do the trick of you take a white sheet of paper and you tape your receipts to the paper and then you put it on the copy maker. The copy maker has a super bright light so that it can make a good copy. <laughs> that bright it out. light generates heat <laughs> and just running the bright light across it turned the entire receipt black. Nice. Like I opened the thing up and pulled it back out and the paper is entirely black. I'm like, what kind of, you know, cause because just running that light across, either this thing was using light from, you know, direct, uh, direct from nuclear fusion or something, <laughs> or this was really sensitive paper. Yeah, very I mean, photosensitive. Yeah. It spent time in my wallet, but it can't have got over, you know, maybe 90, 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the, in the time that it took to scan it. I don't know what happened, but. Ah, the government, they're, uh. They're out to get you. But then I yeah. was I was happy to see. I mean, I don't know if he's still planning on doing it, but I was intrigued that because Joe Rogan is back in the news being called an anti-vaxxer. And he's, of course, stepping this back a little bit now, probably because, you know, maybe his audience is disappearing or Spotify. Yeah. I don't know. Because because he still cares about what people think about him. Maybe. Joe, get with the program. <laughs> Become like us. Right. Well, he said that before the Johnson and Johnson was paused back on April 13th, he had an appointment to go get the Johnson and Johnson shot. So that was his choice. I don't know if he's still planning on getting it, but that was the one I got. My wife is like, I'm not getting an mRNA vaccine. And I'm like, I agree. And by the way, if the vaccines really are as bad as all the conspiracy theorists are are reporting, um, I will be taking auditions for a new Grumpy Old Ben's co-host. Right. Or I could turn into a werewolf at any time. You never know what's going to happen with this stuff. And it was interesting. It's just a matter of body hair. Because, uh, well, I got plenty of that except on the top of my head. That seems like it disappeared there. Now, if it starts growing hair on the top of your head, guys will be lining up for the vaccine. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you can get the Rogan vaccine. <laughs> right. That's now Joe Rogan. That would be hilarious. Joe Rogan gets the vaccine. Joe, Joe Rogan. <laughs> the next show. He's got a full head of hair. 
Yeah, that would be hilarious. But, uh, you know, this came down to it was interesting listening to Adam Curry on No Agenda talk about this because he talked about having a lot of people that he knew that had COVID who had good results with getting the disease, didn't have any major issues, recovered, became healthy again, where he knows a lot of people that got the vaccine that had major side effects. And in our little bubble, it's been exactly the opposite, which is the people we know that have had COVID. There were a few older folks who did pass away, and there were a few younger that had long-term symptoms and you know were quite ill with it. And everybody that I know that had gotten the vaccine as of yet has not had major side effects. So it's this this is the kind of stuff that will color the way you look at something, your own little world. You can read everything you want and do all the research you want. People make the massive amounts of the decisions, I believe, based upon things in a very small bubble. And when it came to the people around Adam Curry, they had a completely different uh, reaction to this stuff than the people around me and like you said so far the johnson and johnson one i thought was relatively safe because i am not a woman of childbearing age so i'm not afraid of the not yet (laughs) i could be at some point right and then with the blood clot thing but it is uh you know it's just something that you see the where things are moving we heard this from uh horowitz from dh unplugged andrew horowitz which was he wanted to go on a cruise and, you know, they're going to require proof of vaccination. And you can say all you want. You can be a holdout all you want. And that's great. And you should have the right to do so. But if it's going to start and completely negatively impacting your life, if, you know, the wife and I decide, hey, we want to get on a plane and go to Florida yeah. or Hawaii. If, 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 if you suddenly decide in, you know, a, a fit of, uh, of just wanting to change your routine, you decide to leave the house. Yeah, that would be a good change of the uh, could be a change of scenery. The uh, uh, net net says the J and J dose took down a coworker for two days, but he does have MS. Uh, for me, nothing. I had no side effects whatsoever, you, you, except being you a little have MS tired. Yet? No, I'm waiting, huh. though. My yeah. wife did have a you know fatigue, did get the chills and was feeling warm then cold for about 12, 15 hours afterwards. In a little fatigue, but again, minor stuff, which happens with flu vaccines as well. So nothing major at all, nothing to report as of yet. And hopefully that's the way it uh, continues to be. It's not something I was afraid of. And it's an interesting thing still to watch. I mean, I'm also somebody, though, that the doctors that I have do highly recommend getting flu shots so i get the flu shot and you know there's a lot of people like i would never get the flu shot and so i mean i understand you have different viewpoints on this but uh as long as people are allowed to make their own choice then i'm good with that will that ever change in this country i don't know i'm not even sure how this would work moving on because you don't have any real proof that you got the vaccine because these cards are so well, easy not, to copy not until you turn into a werewolf. Right. Well, then you'll be able to know. And I'll have really good hair and I'll play a lot of Warren Zevon as I walk down the street. But hey, I'm not a, I mean, I'm not a werewolf. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> you never know well, I, I, I don't know. I, I like the, the uh, you're not a woman yet. Yet. 
Right. I mean, that, it's almost, that could be a side effect that we only find out about six months from now. Well, this is where these vaccines. I mean, there, there are a lot of people talking about sterilization, at least in conspiracy circles. Yeah. You know, at the age that uh, the wife and I are, it's like, well, that's nobody wants kids at this point. So congratulations. Yeah. If that's, yeah. That's I mean, I, I've, made, I've made the choice not to get the vaccine. And I keep thinking, you know, if if for some reason um the it turns out that the vaccine is sterilizing the entire population like bill gates has already said that he wants um then you know i might be one of the only people in the world who is able to have children and i'm still not because uh you know i'm not sleeping around my wife at least as far as she knows <laughs> wow ryan at grumpyoldbens.com <laughs> i actually have a privacy story about that about you sleeping around on your wife? Wait, how does this, that that seems like a lack of a privacy story. Well, it, it would be if I admitted to it. Now, my my privacy story is is uh, uh this appeared in in Traced. It is uh, WhatsApp does not allow you to appear offline, and that for the people you know people like me who've been complaining about the online mode. The, the the online indicator for every single app you know i have complained about uh discord steam linkedin reddit even github when you log into the website it tells everybody who cares that hey you're online now and i, I i've railed against this before because of course i like to lie to people about whether or not i'm available it's way easier than saying i actually don't like you um but the story on here was it coming from the cyberstalker angle. Um, in particular, um, WhatsApp does not have a mode. It doesn't have a checkbox. It doesn't have anything that says, I, I don't want to show up as online. And uh, the effect of that is that there's actually an entire industry of companies who uh, build, you know, set up, uh, trackers and then build a database and then make an app, which is WhatsApp status tracking apps. And w- what they have is they will ping WhatsApp for uh, whether or not a user is online through the public APIs. And they do this every 30 seconds, 24 hours a day or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, because uh, you know, uh, they can't even throttle that. Because the WhatsApp app itself says, here's my list of contacts. Tell me which one of the ones of them are online. And, you know, maybe you have a few million contacts in your database, but um, it will then aggregate this data. The, the, the app that, that the article um, discussed will aggregate the data over a daily, uh, what time you're online, what time you're offline over several weeks and try to build a picture of where when you're commuting when you're sitting on the toilet when you're doing you know we're doing whatever it is that causes you to launch whatsapp uh and it it shows you patterns um it has a ui that allows you to enter two different uh i guess phone number is the key to whatsapp so two different phone numbers (laughs) i got another story about that but um i'm not sure phone numbers should be the key but um but you can enter two of them and it will show you the schedules side by side which is a huge boon to people who are, say, looking for a cheating spouse, because you can be like, I think my wife and my best friend are are meeting together. And then you just enter both of their numbers into the app and it will show you a list of when they're online together at the same time. And if they're 
online at the same time every day and you happen to know that that's when you know she goes on lunch uh, then you confront her about it and uh, you know maybe that's good if you're not against cheating i i personally think that uh you know cheating is is a it's not great but it's a symptom of of a deeper relationship issue and adding cyber stalking to the mix doesn't make it better well now whatsapp do you ever go offline i mean i don't know how whatsapp works is most of these if they're on a cell phone like i set my wife up so we can communicate using the uh, tox system so we put the tox app on her phone and as long as you're connected to a cell tower or a wi-fi you're online so when do you go offline with an app is this you're just intentionally turning it off and who remembers to go in and like turn something off when and why would you because your phone otherwise is just sitting there so i my understanding from from i mean i didn't install what i i'm not doing yes, i'm not <laughs> i'm not that dedicated to the show i'm not going to install the app to find out but my understanding from reading the article is that the status goes online if you have the app open okay interesting so that means like you're actively waiting to talk and that is uh, i i guess so i guess like i don't know if if your screen if if you put the phone down or walk away and the screen turns dark i don't know if that matters or does anything or not but if you if you kill the app and go over to your your checkers game or whatever the hell else you're doing on the phone then uh, i i think that it shows you offline i'm not real sure well uh, i remember the, this from a long the, time ago going back as far as AOL instant messenger and ICQ where you always had the ability to mark yourself as invisible so whatsapp yeah. is like no you can't do that yeah, and and that's probably the big. I mean, I I personally really don't like the the hey so and so is online. You know what? It, how you will find out if I'm online is if I decide to initiate a conversation to you because that is a more useful signal anyway. Uh, if it the the thing that you want to know is is not am I sitting at my computer? Which by the way, surprise surprise, I'm a programmer and I'm also a shut in. I'm probably <laughs> sitting at this computer all the freaking time, but most of the time I'm doing something else and don't want to talk to you. And the thing that you really want to know from the, am I online indicator is not, is the app running? Because I, I tell you what, if I, if I left that, that setting on in discord, for example, I leave discord minimized to my taskbar 24 seven. But that doesn't mean I want to talk to any of the assholes on there. Right. I, or that you'll reply. Yeah. Or that I'll reply. And and so the signal you want is, am I in a chatting mood? And for that, the the best way to find out is send a message. And if I reply, then I'm in a chatting mood. That's how that, that we've done. That's how people have communicated for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And this this. Oh, oh you know, uh, another one. Steam. Like, oh. It, are are you online on Steam? Well, uh, again, the Steam app is in the background 24/7 and I sure as hell don't want to be broadcasting to Steam. Oh, you know, I'm I uh, you know, to, right now I'm running Borderlands. Right now I'm running Minecraft. Right now I'm running the My Little Pony simulator. <laughs> That's a good one too. Yeah, it is, but I don't want people on Steam to be knowing like I don't want chat messages from bronies. Well, this is where the notifications of messages being read is also very annoying which is one of the reasons to love irc is when you send a private message nobody knows when that was read or if it was read these things and it was the way apple had worked between apple devices for a long long time the minute somebody sees the text it gives you the little check mark to let you know 
And that's quite annoying because then they want a response. Just because I read your text doesn't mean I'm ready to reply. You don't know what's yeah, going I never, on. I never send those either. Yeah. It's so like, I always avoid it. turn that off. It's like, I don't want return receipt. People try to do that with emails. Of course, that's where they hide, you know, the one pixel in the emails too, to see if somebody opened the email. There were systems that let you do that to try to get confirmation that somebody opened an email. And it's all just very invasive technology. And I understand why these services add it because people are like, oh, did they get my text? Did they see it? Did they get my text? Maybe they didn't get my text. Maybe it got lost. I don't know. I want to know if they got my text. And so they get the little check mark and they feel better. But then if they don't get a reply, whoa. And that that is a sign of mental illness. Yes. (laughs) You need you you the, the way it's supposed to work is you send the text. And then you'll get a reply when you get a damn reply, (laughs) not like it's and this is maybe this is a problem that's been trained by people who who will post something on Facebook and then sit there like you've done. You're done writing what you wrote. You're done writing. There's no reason to still be staring at it, but they'll like stand there and stare for the next 20 minutes going. Is anyone going to click like is anyone going to like it? They want the dopamine hit. It's a dopamine hit. Yeah, that's what it is. It is. And I uh, I have to say, I've been agreeing a little more lately with Bill Maher, which is always worrisome for me anyway, that it makes the rest of us worry about you, too. He was talking about well, one, he was talking about the younger generation loving communism just because nobody's really tried it in their lifetime. And it's like, well, yeah, go to China. But he's like, we don't discount your ideas. Because you're young or because you're whatever black. I don't remember the list he had, but it's like we don't reject your ideas because of this. We reject them because they're stupid. And he talked about the younger generation feeling like the older folks who can't figure out how to use an iPhone are idiots. He's like, well, no, maybe the idiots are the people who can't stop using their iPhone. And I'm like, yes. Thank you. Mar is a little bit unique amongst leftists. Yes, he uh, is. And not, not just because he thinks for himself, which is actually fairly rare, uh, at least amongst the people who are, uh, but, but because he's willing to speak his mind, which is really not something that actually, this isn't just a characteristic of the left. There are very few people out there willing to step out and speak their mind. It's one of the reasons people think I'm an asshole because I'm not an asshole. I'm, I'm really the nicest guy you'll know. But I speak what I think and and people get they're not used to that. It, it, I mean, in in circles where you you're you, when, when you're in a milieu that everybody is going to pile on and try to cancel you, um, it, it doesn't pay. I mean, there are strong incentives in uh, the, the left half of the country these days. There are strong incentives not to speak your mind because you'll get canceled. But Mar at least is in a position where he's like, yeah, been I've been canceled before. It, right. it, I came back. I'll come back again or you do your worst. Yes. And I, I have I mean, what respect I have for the guy comes from that. Now, what he says still usually really, really, really dumb. Yeah. But a lot of times. But I value the fact that he is not cowed by the, the cancel culture mob. I mean, that part is it's admirable. Yeah. Well, he you know he went out against that mob. Way back when they were trying to cancel uh, Laura Ingram because of something she said. And, you know, he doesn't believe in the cancel culture and rightfully so, because he understands 
and there's a few people like this left on the left that he understands that having that debate and having people with different viewpoints is a good thing. Once everybody pretends that they agree about something, that's when you got problems. That's when you have a lot of real problems. And and for me, and I I know that this is, again, one of those places I go against societal norms. But for me, I would much, much, much rather, if you have any problem with me, I want you to tell me to my face. Now, there might be words. There might even be shouting. But, I mean, it's me. So there's probably already shouting. But we'll get it all out in the open, and then we'll resolve it. Because if there's one thing... If there's one huge benefit to having an ADD personality, it's that I don't have the attention span to hold a grudge. If if you tell me that you hate me, I, I will shout at you and punch you in the face and then I'll forget all about it. And the next day we're all cool. And I, I find that to be so, so much preference to, uh, you know, like. If I do something that pisses you off and you just smile and walk away and uh, three months later, you decide that you're going to cheat at me, cheat me in a card game or something and like that kind of passive aggressiveness. That's uh, it's downright Canadian. <laughs> well, it's because they don't want to be rude, but there is something I, to be said. I much I, I respect people who are rude to your face and then shake your hand far more than people who are passive aggressive about it. Well, it's honesty. And you don't have to go out of your way to be a jerk about something, but you are, I agree with you that it's better off to say something people won't like. If it's something that's important to you, that you get that out into the open and get those words out into the air and let people hear that. And then you move on rather than letting resentment build up day after day, which I think is what happens with a lot of marriages where it's like everybody everything seemed great for 20 years and then two days later they were divorced why see and the the secret to my marriage with with dame bemrose is that we have our daily fist fight and then we're great <laughs> she could kick your ass and yeah I, she can and i sent <laughs> her all the money cats. yeah and that's that's the trick you you have not received a penny from grumpy old ben's it all goes to your wife and that's smart that's because she has a PayPal account and I don't want accounts <laughs> in places. You don't want to be tracked any way, shape or form. I did think it was no. interesting. I didn't pull the uh, the story and I'm not sure if it was really important to pull the story, but it appears now you can buy crypto through uh, with Coinbase. They have a thing with PayPal now so you can actually buy crypto direct. I know PayPal was doing some weird thing in the paypal interface where you could buy crypto and it would keep it in the paypal interface but now you can do that directly through coinbase coinbase where you can buy the crypto directly with your paypal funds so maybe we should do that just start rolling all the paypal funds right into uh, some crypto i mean we will either yeah, be yeah. rich or broke and as soon as my mortgage company takes crypto we'll get right on that <laughs> don't they they should <laughs> they should actually well, with with these uh, uh, MasterCard pushes for trying to make crypto native in their network, uh, I mean, this isn't more than a year or two out. It but will be I, interesting when you can do I, that. I don't, we're, we're not quite at the point where you can pay your rent or buy groceries with crypto. And, and uh, shut up, all you Bitcoin assholes who are going to now write in, Ryan at GrumpyOldBenz.com, showing me all the ways you can buy groceries with crypto. I 
And I think there's a. I don't have any crypto groceries here. I, I have real the, groceries. Those are the ones I want to eat. I think like crypto.com, which is another one of these services, let you have a credit card, which is somehow tied in. Although I don't know how that all works if you have multiple crypto assets. I'm assuming you would have to tie it to one, which is, you know, do you want this to come out of your Bitcoin or out of your Ethereum or do you want a percentage out of each, which I can understand if you want to use that sort of like cash although i don't understand tying those systems together because it seems that crypto overall across the board right now is something that people are speculating in to make money i don't think there's really anything except maybe now with the lightning nodes with podcasting 2.0 and being able to move funds i think most people when it comes to crypto they're putting money into it and they're hoping it goes up in value over putting money into it and then buying coffee with it or putting, yeah. you know, whatever. And they're using it as an investment, uh, a speculative asset and not a currency. And, and as long as the the amount of, you know, the, the two things keeping it from being a currency are uh, crazy high transaction fees because you you can't be charging 10 percent on every cup of coffee and and have something that can still be used as a currency that it's it's not tenable you you end up i mean your your economy will end up doing the same thing that the u.s economy in dollars is doing right now because that's kind of what they're trying to do but um the 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 fees are still too high for it to be an effective currency and uh, also the volatility is way too high as long and you know, admittedly, the volatility doesn't matter at all if you and, and I, I stole this from um, who who is it was Sir Gene. No, so I don't know what one of the other podcasters who knows more about crypto than I do. But uh, if you go crypto native, if you only think of how many Satoshis you have, then it's not volatile at all because your number of Bitcoins that you own, the number of Ethereum that you own is not going up day to day or down. It's not the right. only reason why. The volatility is a thing is because people are are hyper focused on the conversion rate between BTC and dollars, between Ethereum and dollars, between Dogecoins and dollars. And once if if we can, you know, the reason that I, I you know, part of that is because people are you know hyper focused on things that move, you know, the shiny thing moving around. Of course, they're looking. But um part of that is that. People still have to buy groceries and pay rent in dollars or or whatever your local currency is, euros, whatever. But you you still have to you have to transfer. You cannot forget that dollars exist. Right. You have to know that this other thing exists, uh, that that there's um and and as long as you have to be paying attention to you always have to have dollars in your wallet. You always have to have euros on hand because that's what the people in meat space still want. Then you still have to pay attention to the fact that it, crypto is bouncing all over the damn place. Right. If we can get over the hump and start actually paying for real things in crypto, which may or may not require that the government get out of the way, uh, if we could reach that point where you're only thinking in crypto and and you you know you you spend time thinking about conversion, you know if if I could own all of my currency in crypto and only think about the conversion rate to dollars the same way that I think about the conversion weight to euros or pounds or Italian lira, then 
I don't on a daily basis. And then it doesn't matter what the quote unquote volatility is. But as long as we have to make the conversion in order to function, it's not a currency. It's not working. Well, that's never going away because let's just assume a car costs one Bitcoin, which right now that's a really nice car. It's like fifty eight thousand dollars. That's like a that's like a Tesla M3. So that's a car costs one Bitcoin. And that's great. So other car dealers say, well, we're going to charge you one Bitcoin for our car. And then 24 hours later, a Bitcoin's worth three dollars. They're not going to take the Bitcoin for the, you know, that that conversion is never going away. Or and the the problem is that neither neither party right now is going to come to the table like that. You know what? Actually, that completely invalidates what I said about the dollar conversion, simply because you're right. As long as the there's still volatility in the conversion, you know, once once a Tesla costs one Bitcoin, no matter what. Yes. Then then it's a currency. But if. If a Tesla, you know, it takes uh, it's one Bitcoin today and it takes 100,000 Bitcoins tomorrow, then Tesla's never going to take that deal. That's but right, if it's Elon. One Bitcoin today, if it's one Bitcoin today and a Bitcoin buys three Teslas tomorrow, then uh, I mean, who's no, no one, neither side is interested in taking the deal as long as as the conversion rate between your value and my value is so volatile that one of us could be totally screwed tomorrow. Yeah. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And I do have to uh, point out, since our buddy comic strip blogger got into a lot of trouble with Adam Curry over at Podcasting Index Social because he posted one of his doodles, which had to do with a grumpy old Ben's or might have been a, a after show grumpy old Ben's conversation we were having when we were talking about the Satoshis and the streaming value with the podcasting 2.0 stuff. And he posted a doodle, which was, uh, I guess, supposedly me, although he had me with an RE320. And that's wrong, CSB. It's an RE20. So obviously it wasn't you. I guess it can't be. It must have been but you. For then. All you know, it was actually a doodle of the podfather and he sucks at drawing. <laughs> well, see, there was it was the podfather and a random podcaster. I mean, this like CSB says all random doodles that the random podcaster was saying, but I don't trust these Satoshi middlemen. And the podfather took that as a accusation by CSB that the Satoshi middlemen were untrustworthy. And it was based on a conversation we had, but we never accused anybody of being untrustworthy. We did question who they are. And I still think that's a valid question, because when you go to the Satoshi.stream website, or it's not even a website, you have to sign up through Telegram. Or if you go to the Voltage.io site, which is the uh, site that and the company that the Podfather is using, I believe, still to get his Satoshis, there's only an email. There's no physical address. There's no incorporated information. There's nothing but a website and an email address. And they are dealing with money, funds, whatever you want to call it, going back and forth in the form of Satoshis. And they don't say, who they are. So I do question anybody in a financial situation like that that isn't crystal clear, which is why even though a lot of people hate Coinbase, I deal with Coinbase because I'm not big into crypto. I'm not putting millions of dollars into crypto, but they are registered. They are uh, FDIC insured, all of this, where at least I know who they are. There's a fundamental difference in kind between uh, not trusting somebody 
because you don't know anything about them and distrusting someone because you know something about them that causes you it it it, and i i don't think there was any you know there there were plenty of points where where you said that you you don't you you don't afford trust to somebody because you don't know anything about them that that happened and and it's just a matter of uh, you haven't given me a reason to raise my trust level above default enough that I want to do business with you. That is a, a, a rational and perfectly legitimate position to take. Uh, I don't think that we said anything. And if we did, then go ahead and, and, and roast Darren about this. Um, I don't think we said anything that said that we had reason to distrust anybody in the community. I think it's correct. The, the podcasting 2.0 is a fantastic community. Um, I think the place where, where the comic went wrong is, uh, you know, saying, uh, you know, I don't trust the people with the, the, the Satoshi people is, I mean, maybe it's a spicy take, but when you post it on no agenda social, uh, uh, whatever it's, it, it is a play. We value free speech on that platform. Nobody is censored. You can go ahead and report people all you want. And the admin of the site, Adam is going to ignore your report. He might look <laughs> at it and laugh, but yes. that's about it. Um, but you can say whatever you want there. Um, I, I, the impression I got was that the problem was it was reposted to podcastindex.social and right. not taken. And I, I got the impression when I read it, I got the impression that he, it was, uh, kind of what you said, which is I don't have enough to want to jump in on this. Now, whether or not that makes a great comic, I don't know. Um, but I think that, you know, Adam took it as I, I think you're untrustworthy. And in that context, yeah, it's probably not appropriate on the site that you're using to communicate and collaborate with these people. Right. You, you don't, you don't need to sow that kind of drama into a place where you, I I've been in teams where somebody comes up and brings drama into a software process and it doesn't help the software. No, and it could be taken in different ways. And the positive, I think these companies can take out of this or the people running them would be, give us a little more information. Because when you're dealing with funds, money, banking information, anything in that vein, I want to know something about the people behind it, not just, well, I have an email address or a telegram address and that's it. But we'll trust you that what you have set up is exactly right, even though there's no way to verify things on uh, some of this stuff. But, yeah, you're absolutely right that we don't believe that the people that are doing this are not trustworthy. We don't have any experience with them. The point from our end, at least my end, was I would like to know a little bit more about who they are. And we even made the point in that conversation, which was, well, our buddy Sir Spencer from the Bull After Bull podcast, he was talking about trying to set up a similar system. And we and both said, speaking well, of untrustworthy, <laughs> right. We're like, well, no, we said we would trust Sir Spencer because we know him a little bit and we feel like he's an honest person. That's all. We were saying yeah, with I mean, the other is, I mean, Spencer has not, you know, completely raided my Bitcoin wallet and taken off with all my crypto yet. So totally trustworthy. Right. Cole, I said you need to know where to go to break some legs is more likely when uh, somebody <laughs> screws you over. You yeah, wanna- yeah, that that's pretty much it. It it, it I, accountability does breed trust. And if if somebody is if if you have a recourse if you have a way of applying accountability to somebody then 
uh, it, it becomes a lot easier to enter into a contract with them because you have some reason to believe they will hold up their end of the contract. That's that's actually really important. Yes, it makes sense, at least to me. And it just shows how taking something which comic strip blogger took a little blurb of something that was said and maybe the wording was a little bit off. But taking something out of context like that, like all the fake news we've been talking about for two years, you take something slightly out of context, you could really change the meaning of it, even if they were the exact words that were spoken. If you miss something that was said immediately before or immediately after to clarify, kind of like Trump's real fine people, you see exactly how quickly things can fall apart. But this digital divide in America. I know this is going to make everybody feel better because Kamala Harris, who has done such a great job since Joe Biden proclaimed her the one to fix the border. And by yeah, speaking of breaking some legs, <laughs> she's she's done nothing, hasn't had a press conference, didn't go down to the border. Somebody who needs some accountability applied possibly yes. with a two by four. Well, Joe Biden, knowing how well Kamala Harris did on the border, has now tapped her. I mean, it was an interesting word for seeing that to say Biden wow. taps Kamala okay. Harris. That, the wrong mental image. Please finish the sentence and, and make it not sexual, please. Yes. Thank you, CNET. For the headline, President Biden taps Kamala Harris to lead effort to close. My God, I didn't need to think about that this morning. The digital divide. So, I mean, does anybody believe Kamala Harris can handle the broadband issue that we allegedly have in this country? That people have been bitching and moaning about for I'm not even sure Kamala Harris can handle being tapped by Joe Biden. (laughs) I don't know if Joe Biden could handle that. And that's her one true political skill. Yeah. Well, yeah. Willie Brown, the uh, this digital divide stuff. And I went down the rabbit hole with this because I think this is interesting for people to understand What's going on here? We talked about this in a previous Grumpy Old Ben's where the definition of broadband is even up for grabs right now. So reading like news stories and hearing people talk about bringing broadband to all areas of the country, the latest was they were thinking of raising the criteria to 100 megabits per second both ways. And we've talked about that here, which is nobody, almost nobody. We know there's a few of you with fiber that have greater than you know 100 megabits per second going up but a vast majority of people including myself who i'm paying for the gigabit service through xfinity the uploads are like 40 megabits per second with the gigabit service you're still not getting 100 no so this concept of how you're defining the broadband is kind of interesting and why people and this being an essential service that people need. I don't understand. I understand saying people need to have a connection to the internet. Now, when you start getting into speeds, that's where a lot of the debate's going to come in because we know you need almost no speed whatsoever to be able to surf most websites unless there's something weird going on. You don't need a whole lot of speed to get email. You don't need a whole lot of speed to do instant messaging. Uh, 56K was good enough back in my day. And that would still probably be fine. 
I'm not going to stream Netflix over 56K, but I can I can simultaneously chat in two IRC channels at once. Right. Well, see, this is where the question starts to come as far as what is needed. Now, have we gone from having a connection to the Internet, which meant you could look things up online, you could read the news, you could do everything short of video? That is now crap. That's nothing. You have to have uh, not only video, but like high def video is what they're kind of pushing for with the speeds they're talking about. I mean, 100 megabits. We're talking like pushing 4K video, multiple streams, because if you have, is that really the minimum we want? I think that's a little high for a minimum when it's when you're talking about something being an essential service. I think having the connection. okay, so you can get your email. So you can you know check job listings. I understand. I don't want people to have to go you know out to a library or something if they don't have the ability to get this at their home because that would be inconvenient. But the speeds we're talking about are important. And this concept now that, oh, well, there's a lot of school that's remote learning. So, of course, the kids, we need to be able to have five different video streams because we have five kids. It's like, you know, that's getting a little bit nuts. That's getting a little bit excessive. The if you had a connection that was 10 megabits per second up and down, I think you could do everything you need to do on the Internet. And you even if it was really 10, maybe. Well, yes. I mean, really, yeah, Uh, not. I feel like one of the a bigger problem than, you know, that that, oh, not everybody has gigabit is that a lot of the people who have a, a, a plan that says 100 megabit in the plan are only getting 10 or 15 or 20 or you know if if we could get if we could put everybody on 10 megabit and know that no matter what you get your 10 megabits and it will never go lower and it will never be throttled i think that's enough but saying giving everybody a plan that's called 10 megabit and then throttling it or or adjusting for network can uh, you know, well, yeah, so I think, I think or, you can guarantee the 10 they want a hundred i mean well, they I may they may end up bending on the hundred up but well, that hundred down is what they're talking about as broadband and a hundred down is excessive for a vast majority of people out there that is getting into boutique territory if you want to just have an internet connection be able to download a Netflix stream or whatever video you're watching YouTube having 10 down. will do that just fine. Right. I guess what I'm saying is, is you have a plan called gigabit. When was the last time that you downloaded anything at 1000 or 1 billion bits per second? Well, has it ever happened? Yes, but it's a rarity. And I was it from your NAS. No, I could saturate it from a news groups, which this is another thing. People don't understand. If you're downloading something, like the latest grumpy old Ben's episode one, most internet connections throttle up as you're downloading something. So if it's a small enough file, which like an MP3 file is, it's usually done long before it's going to reach as maximum speed anyway, because they're downloading pretty damn quick. But I was able to downloading stuff from uh, Usenet groups was able to completely saturate the Xfinity connection. And lately, Xfinity uh, has went I, and they've up there. They now they've given you the little bit of overage. So the gigabit now is I think they're telling you it's 12, you know, 1.2 gig down now. To, to be clear, I didn't ask when whether or not you had saturated your connection. I asked whether or not you got 
one billion bits yes. per second. Yes, it was saturating and getting the full. Well, when it was gigabit, it was like 900 and something meg per second because there is I, a little overhead. I, I don't know how often this happens now, but uh, over the last 10, 15 years, ISPs have pulled every trick in the book to give you less than the advertised price. And they call it congestion or they call it network management or you know network management, which is is a euphemism for throttling uh, or or they, uh, you know, I mean, half the time you'll get uh, and, and I'm not necessarily accusing Comcast of this, but they actually did it at one point in the past uh, of uh, detecting which site you were connecting. And if you were connecting to speedtest.com or one of the other speed testing things, they gave you the full amount. And otherwise, you got 60% of it. Oh, I can see that, too, which is it's a great way to make it seem like everything is working as planned, which is why the Comcast always tells you, go to our own speed test. It's like, no, I don't trust your speed test. No. And, and, and you know, there's only so many speed testings out there. But the I mean, if you want an accurate view, don't go to speedtest.com or whatever it is. Don't go. Don't go to any of the really big ones that everybody goes to, because. ISPs have already wised up on that one. And if they are shorting you, then they're not going to short you when they detect you're going to that. Go to, to uh, Joe and Darren's crazy JavaScript speed test thing here that, that three people have used in the last month because they probably aren't going to be, you right. you're going to get a more accurate one there because they, they're probably not in the database. And there was a broadband reports, which was previously DSL reports. They have some really good speed tests that I found. There were some other programs that i used to run as the speeds get faster and faster it becomes quite hard to get an accurate speed test because the faster you are the servers on the other end have to be able yeah. to be that times whatever many people are using so there was a program that was tied to like downloads from microsoft for like windows isos and stuff like that which can also vary but they were trying to download multiple things like that at a time again to try to saturate your connection and those did a really good job as well where some of Actually, those worked the, the a lot reason better you just gave us is one of the reasons why i think one of the most accurate speed tests out there right now is fast.com because it uses the netflix cdn right right and this is where they netflix i guess tells you to go if there's a problem and like well tell us what your speed is go here and it's a, it's a down and dirty and quick speed test but it works and uh you know, again, I've noticed that the speeds we get are pretty close to as advertised, and I still don't understand what they want to uh, qualify for broadband being a little bit high. Uh, but so, with uh, that I, said, what, well, what else you got? Because then we'll go into the oh, actual I, the what they want to give you money for. I, I I was just going to to go into you. You actually asked me. You know, do you think that this number is is high enough? And you know, you 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 use the word maximum or minimum and um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, what is the minimum broadband that anybody uses? Well, it, it is enough that you don't have to think about how much bandwidth you have. That, that is in fact, you know, that is the proper amount for anybody. And, and for you, that might be 10 gigabytes, or you, but for the average person who's only going to use a, a web browser, well, again, I, it may be a matter, you know, if, if they're going to the verge, they only need, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 gigabits, but, um, if they're going to the average website, it might not take much. If they're streaming Netflix, it might take five. You know, how, how much is enough bandwidth? I don't know. 
uh, it's, it's, uh, how, how much do you need that you don't have to think about your bandwidth? How much do you need to know that, you know, you're, you're not slowing down and is that a hundred? I don't know. Uh, well, the, the question what? here is because we're talking about government subsidies and getting a bare minimum to a group of people that are out there now. The question becomes, when does it be go from essential speeds that you need to use the Internet to? Oh, well, that's just crazy. And those people can pay more if they want to get more. To- and, and that's the point I was about to get to, which which is simply that. um if if all you're doing is calling something broadband or not, then the question is entirely academic and doesn't matter. But the moment that you start attaching government programs and regulations and uh, telling people that they'll be fined and thrown in jail if they don't meet some kind of arbitrary speed requirement, even though none of the use then I mean, I should I should be predictable enough at this point. To realize that I think that the real problem is is a lot of the government programs that are attached to the arbitrary definition and not where the arbitrary definition is. Uh, the definition can be uh, it can be uh, two billion or the definition can be two. And I don't care uh, unless you start, you know, tell me what is tell me what is going to change based on moving this thing. And I'll tell you why. That government program is probably a problem, right? Why it's a waste of money, why yeah. it is unnecessary, why what they're asking for is not realistic. Because, again, that hundred and hundred both up and down number is nuts because people that have had the fastest of all fast broadband over the last few years are probably getting 30 to 40 megabits up again. If you have fiber, we get you're in the top like one or two percent, but well, for everybody else. The best you're going to get upload speeds are falling well below 100 and they're perfectly uh, acceptable. You know, again, unless you have like 10 kids and they're all in class online and they all need a 4K stream going up. Well, fortunately, nobody who listens to Grumpy Old Ben's would have that many kids. I don't think (laughs) they wouldn't have time to listen to anyone in the troll room right now who might be up there. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, I I think. is it enough? I don't know. You know where this uh, where this requirement is is good. The, the push to raise the the cap, the the push for everyone should get more bandwidth. You know where that's coming from, right? No, who? Silicon Valley. Oh, why? There, you know, there's what what we're seeing here. This is kind of like when when uh, your your local cable carrier shuts off a channel because you got one giant company, the carrier having an argument with another giant company, the provider of the content, and they can't come to a conclusion. They can't come to an agreement on how much they should pay. And so for a month you get a channel shut off. Well, they say, well, uh, you know, if, if, if we can't come to an agreement, I'm going to hurt your users. Oh yeah. Well, if we can't come to an agreement, I'll hurt the users even more. And, and that's kind of what's going on here is uh, we have uh, a big ISP versus big silicon valley and silicon valley they make their entire existence on pushing out more online connected services uh do we need the services that's up to you but uh google exists to push data at you and charge you advertising dollars for it so the more data google can push the more advertising slots they have the more advertising dollars they can bring in 
it makes sense for Google. It makes sense for Netflix. It makes sense for Facebook, for Amazon. All of them want you to have as much bandwidth as possible. On the other hand, you have the big ISPs who are saying, yeah, but maybe the users don't need that much. And, uh, you know, the, the other, the other question, how much do you need is, is also, it's a function of, of year. It's a function of time. How much do you need right now? No, I don't think that everybody has to have a hundred. That's not, that's not a legitimate minimum. The, the legitimate minimum in order to be able to get to the point where, oh, all the services I use are perfectly enabled and I'm not running out of bandwidth is probably somewhere around 40 or 50 right now. Like that, you could call that maybe I'm not sure what the number is, but you could say, this is how much I need to be able to do everything I want right now. Uh, why are we pushing the hundred number then? Because four years from now, there is some Silicon Valley company out there that wants to create a brand new whiz bang service that goes viral, generates the network effect and becomes the next Facebook, but they can only do it if they can push a hundred megabits to every user. And I don't know what the hell that service is or why it's using so much data. Maybe it's JSON files and <laughs> instead of binary, but you there there's going to be some service created that could not exist unless everybody has that much. And the people lobbying now for the cap to go up is because these people apparently have never heard of compression and are sending video streams over JSON and XML. And that's going to be the new business. And everybody has to have that much bandwidth in order to cope with it. Well, and the reality is it's probably going to get there anyway. Regardless of this, there was just a test done, I think it was in Colorado, where Comcast showed the DOC SIS 4 standard that's being worked on. There were two different reports that I read. One said they actually hit a uh, 10 gigabit both ways, which is fantastic. Uh, And the next one was they hit four, which I'm guessing four at this point is a little bit more realistic. But if that is both ways up and down coming in the next standard of modems that are going to be able to be rolled out. This is all probably going to be moot anyway, but the reality is all you need the extra bandwidth for is to move video for 99.9% of the people. It is how much video can you move? Multiple grumpy old Ben's live streams, of course. Oh, of course. But audio is way less because we don't include the 4k video along with it we just haven't upped our audio quality game enough (laughs) that would be a lot higher sample rate if we were pushing that kind of uh that kind of bandwidth out but it maybe at one point (laughs) we we push grumpy old bends out at a sample rate that only mosquitoes can hear yes and they love it it keeps them away in the on those hot summer evenings yeah it keeps all of our other listeners away too but it keeps the mosquitoes away but the speeds are going to get better. I think that's a part of the Internet as a whole. We see this even with companies like Comcast who are in the business to make money that are increasing speeds. And this has been happening over the last five to 10 years out of nowhere for what you were paying. Now they're increasing your speed, sometimes because there's competition. Otherwise, just because it's getting cheaper and easier for them to be able to push the speeds. Don't we all remember? When YouTube first came out and Netflix, people were like, oh, my 
God, the internet's going to break. It's not going to have enough bandwidth. Have we ever and it that? did. <laughs> did it? Did it break? I don't remember. I don't know. It seems pretty broken today to me. I don't remember when I couldn't download video or watch streaming video. I'm just more annoyed with all of the ads in YouTube, but that's another rant for another time. But speaking of things that waste enough bandwidth to break the Internet. Yeah. Well, now, uh, you mean YouTube? Yeah, that's uh, I thought maybe you were talking about my rants, but either one would qualify. Well, I, I was talking about ads when <laughs> when you put when you put ads into your YouTube rants there, we might have an issue. Yes. Oh, yeah. See, that every 13 seconds, a new ad comes in. But this plan that the Biden administration is putting in that wants to give people money for Internet subsidies, subsidies that uh, here's the different plans. One, you can get up to fifty dollars a month discount they say on your broadband service and associated equipment rentals there's a lot of people like my mom and dad are with comcast and i think they're on a plan i'd have to double check again because they've switched uh comcast their plans again recently but i think my parents are on a plan that's like 30 down and like five up or something like that and i don't even think it's i think it's like about 50 bucks a month so this is basically like okay you can get free broadband if you're on tribal lands you can get up to a $75 a month discount. I don't know why. If you're on- uh, uh, Le- uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Lisa was telling me about this yesterday, but, but go, go ahead and explain it. And I'll give, I'll give her take on it. It's a hot take coming from. Yeah, I'd be curious. Where- I didn't understand why that you could get more if you were on tribal land for a discount. Do they uh, oh, charge uh, oh, more? That, that, that one's easy because identity. Oh, I guess. Yeah. So that's uh different color skin. Because y- yes, because because uh, somebody's ancestor did something slightly different and we're deciding that that we're going to choose a particular period in history and then carve people up by demographic groups and then trace lineage forward in time and throw in a healthy mix of skin color. And that's how we partition humans these days, because we can't treat people like individuals. They have to be treated like demographic groups. Yeah. And that's 50 percent more you can get back than the black folks will get and the Hispanic folks will get. That seems very racist broadband people at the government and uh, well the the uh, the the take that i got on this one was that uh oh by the way what people are not realizing is it's only a temporary thing and they are bracing for the rash of angry phone calls when the subsidy goes away and people's (laughs) bill goes up by 50 bucks yeah and they're like why am i paying for this now well the government ran out of money (laughs) don't worry they'll just print more it seems so it's called modern monetary theory it's a form of socialism it's going to completely destroy the economy eventually but the democrats that are in power today are probably not going to be in power then so they don't have to worry about consequences yeah welcome to universal basic income the other thing that was a part of this plan was a one-time discount and i don't know if this is per person per family one-time discount up to $100 for you to buy a laptop, tablet, or desktop computer, which, again, I don't quite understand, but uh, this is... It's UBI, baby. It is. It is universal basic income. Now, to qualify for this, I'm sure everybody listening to Grumpy Old Ben's is like, how do I get my hands on that money? And it might be easier than you think, really, which is kind uh, kind of scary to me. It says your household qualifies for the emergency broadband benefit if it has an income at or below 135% of the poverty line. So 
one. It's uh, not just uh, the uh, poverty line. It's the poverty line plus 35%. I, I, I'll be right back. I'm going to get my free broadband. <laughs> or there's an or. Uh, so either you make that much or any member of your household. Let me guess. Or you're black. Well, that's maybe part of this. Uh, if any member of your household and this, I'd like to say to the nice people at uh, getemergencybroadband.org, go fuck yourselves for using gray text on a white background rather than black. I mean, maybe this is just more uh, <laughs> racist friendly. I don't know. But for people with crappy eyes, it's a little bit harder to read when apparently you- this this whole uh, emergency broadband thing started a couple of days ago. I didn't realize it had already started. Yeah, well, they're kicking this stuff, and Joe is getting stuff done. And man, uh, if that any- guy moves fast, he's moving in the wrong <laughs> damn direction. But boy, moving fast, he's moving fast and taking a lot of naps. But any member of your household qualifies for lifeline benefits through participation in SNAP, Medicaid, Supplemental Security Income, Federal Public Housing, or Veterans and Survivors Pensions benefit. Now, if anybody in your household gets benefits from medicaid isn't that everybody over 65 years old i believe um is I'd, or is that medicare I, mean, I get those confused so I, maybe i get those confused and not being over 65 and having a general dislike of everything to do with the government anyway i've not researched this or if anyone in your household participates in one of the several several tribal okay, specific I, I know my programs wife is old, but she's also not over 65 <laughs> well that's good that you're not uh that you're not <laughs> aging her before her time but if you are part of a tribal program, that's part of this. If you have ex- now, this is the line that got me. If you have experienced a substantial loss of income since February 29th, 2020. Yes, I what? became a podcaster. I mean, everybody's had a substantial loss of income because of COVID. Almost everybody. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know, it is. And this is the other part of that same line. So if you've experienced a substantial loss of income since February 29th, 2020, with a total household income in the year 2020 at or below. Okay. What do you this think? Is, this is bringing in socialism. This is, this is, uh, yes. If, 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 uh, uh, if your governor unconstitutionally destroyed your means of getting production here, here's a government teat to suck on. What do you right. think? I'm just sipping my coffee here, trying to trying to just calm down yeah. a little bit. What do you think is the rate for individual filers and or joint? Because they've got both. But if you just want to start with you're an individual person, what do you think that cutoff line is for your income to be in 2020 at or below what for you to be able to get Internet subsidies from the government? I'm just betting it's more than the donations we're getting from grumpy old Ben's 99,000 a year for an individual 198,000 for joint filers. That's well, not I mean, poor people. Well, that's the poverty line in Seattle. <laughs> you know, and this that they also are not taking that into effect here into account. Yeah. Yeah. How how, uh, you know, 100,000 a year is is the poverty line somewhere like Seattle or San Francisco. But meanwhile, uh, 30000 a year is doing pretty damn well in some of the flyover states. So if you lost some income and made under 99000 in 2020 or 198 for joint filers, then you can get some free Internet money from the government. 
yeah. is I, I mean they're they're making it not very difficult because if if you want if you want to bring in a form of of state sponsored collectivism then you need to get as many people dependent on government handouts as you can. And so you just start creating these programs where we know that the government completely destroyed your means of generating income for yourself. So here, have some tax money. And the, the best part about that is that you have to be a good little government slave or there's always the unspoken threat or sometimes it's spoken of they'll take it away if you don't say the right things. If you ever question the vaccines, we'll take away your government teat. And if you're independent, you don't care because the government doesn't have the power to take it away. It's the same reason why they're deleting cash and making an online thing. If you ever say something that somebody in cancel culture decides that you're a horrible person for, then we'll just turn off all your money. It's do you know how easy it will be to cancel people as soon as every single one of them is deriving their primary income and all their money and all their bandwidth from government handouts? This which, is this is horrible. Which is why crypto has to die, except for the one true government crypto. Yeah, which, because which is no, which is why I need to start <laughs> being able to pay my mortgage and groceries in crypto so that I can abandon this failing dollar altogether. Now, the other beautiful thing about this plan is you can qualify through your child or dependent. In caps, any member of your household can make your household eligible. For instance, did, if, did you did you say in caps? All you know, it's in uh, all. Uh, oh, oh, it was. I I thought you were paying in caps. I thought we were going to the fallout <laughs> currency. Like bottle caps will be the new currency. I was like, you know, if if the U.S. keeps going the way it is, that might be true. Yes, but they wanted you to know any member of your household makes you eligible for instance it says if your child or dependent participates in the free and reduced price school lunch program so i'm like wait you're dependent okay child or dependent um gets the free school lunch you qualify for the broadband benefit uh, no matter what so there's that too I mean, I don't know how, what it takes to qualify for the. I, I mean, from some of the other program. numbers, it sounds like you qualify for the broadband benefit no matter what. It does. Like the, on, the only people that don't are, you know, rich white liberals who happen to be the only ones making that much money. I don't know. It is if, interesting if, if you, to see now the people I guess. If you make the median income in Kansas City, then it sounds like you apply. <laughs> yeah. And. The cable companies, here's the thing. We all know the government doesn't run broadband and they're giving these subsidies so people can then go to evil AT&T, evil Xfinity, whoever that says, "Okay, I want my broadband connection and the government will pay the bill for them. And I mean, I would think the cable companies would love this until that gets cut off, because then everybody wants to know why they're free service is no longer free although it still and, seems like the government will pay you which is also a scam is, how awful is this for the cable company who's like we still need our money and now the the cable company also has to go bill the government uh-huh. I, how, how long does it take for that invoice to be paid well and i think from what i can tell though this is still the people are paying their bills the government's paying them so just wait till that that money stops i guess it's gonna there's an extra step now that the government is going to give people $50 a month, or if you're on tribal land, 75. And, and, and it has been said that, that this incentive is, is going to go away in the future. Although, you know, like most government programs, maybe it won't ever, but, uh, 
Uh, I've also been informed that uh, nobody is telling even the cable companies when it's going to end. It's just it's starting now and it may end at some point in the future. So, um, yeah, when if the government ever decides to end it, it will be a surprise to everybody, including the companies, the ISPs, who are then going to suddenly have to jack up the bill on everybody in the company by 50 bucks and build all the calls. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. Now, do most people, you know, or trolls in the troll room, noagendastream.com when we do these shows live Monday and Friday at noon, how many people still have a wired broadband connection or are there people now that have gone strictly mobile because all they're using are phones and tablets and I don't even need a wire to my house. I'm just using whatever the wireless service is. I'm kind of curious with that as well and how that will change well, things there's, when there's it comes a lot to this. of people out there who don't have a com- that don't have a, a computer that could take an ethernet cable anymore yeah and I, that's like what i'm if curious if anybody's ca- still using just wi-fi or do they not even do that because well my phone magically works through at&t or verizon because i got a wireless signal coming into the house there's there's no doubt there's a lot of you know, there's there's a lot of people i think that that people like you and i who have desktop computers attached to the wall via an ethernet cable are probably in the minority. Now um, there are a lot of people out there who have their, uh, their cable modem or a router plugged in and they stick it in a closet somewhere and every device in their house is connected by wifi. And uh, there, there are some technical hurdles and reasons why that's not something I would do, but it's, it's a viable solution for a lot of people. Um, and I think you you nailed it. There are a lot of people who don't even have that router anymore, don't have a, an ISP. It's all through their their wireless company. Do, do you know if if this fifty dollar incentive applies to wireless? Because, man, I'd take it. See, that is that is one of the big questions that I have, and it wasn't really spelled out. So I'd be curious if anybody else gets this question, because I know recently I read I think it was Verizon just came out with a box which basically acted as our cable modem would as us old luddites that would sit in your window obviously if you want the best connection but it was nothing more than a kind of a hot spot that took the mobile data coming from outside your home from the telephone you know the big towers and making that your home internet so it's like yeah, sure. does that qualify because i thought that was fairly cheap like 50 or 100 bucks yeah, they also don't work very well. But, well, no, uh, they, because congestion and uh, I, you know, I don't know if those ever became common. I know they they they're a thing. I I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, like like many things uh, and like many government programs, it's probably not that well thought out. And uh, you know, we're I, I feel like uh, maybe we should table this one because we're going to be we're going to be getting story after story in the next two months about ways in which this there were unintended consequences or something is failing and, and it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> it's going to involve a, a lot of people uh, whining and complaining and going, oh, I thought the government was perfect. Why is it like this? And, and it always makes me feel good when somebody looks out and realizes that uh, when, when you uh, maximize for, for lowest bitter and m- m- most laziness, then you end up getting a whole bunch of incompetence. And there was an article I pulled just for funsies, which showed you the fastest and the slowest states as far as average Internet speeds go. 
And neither Washington nor Illinois was on either of these lists. So I guess we're firmly in the middle. But it went from the fastest, which was Rhode Island. I mean, it's small, I guess. Maybe it's the smaller your state, the easier. Uh, had 129 megabits per second was the fastest speed. The slowest speed was Montana with 54.4 megabits per second, which still seems pretty fast. It I mean, seems like sufficient if you can get it. Yeah, that's the median. And again, this is the question of how you get the connection, because this is one thing we've heard in rural areas. And I know we've heard it even in the troll room. Our buddy Gene, which I think at one point was talking about how much money, because if you're out in the sticks, a lot of times it's like, well, yeah, we can get you Internet, but you're going to pay for that last two miles of cable to get to your house. And sometimes those fees are quite exorbitant. But, uh, you know, usually if it's something that you can handle with a wireless system now, this is going to make it a little bit easier to blanket those areas with broadband rather than running. You know, I get it. If you're talking farmland where your farmhouse might be in the middle of acres and acres and acres where it's like, well, how do you get the cable there? You know, somebody's got to run the cable, but oh, yeah. I guess you can go wireless. It's, it's the last mile problem. And when. You know, when, when when the last mile is is 30 feet from the pole to your house, that's pretty doable in bulk. But when the last mile is actually 30 miles. Right. Yeah. Comcast is more than happy to give you 30 feet of cable. Not. Yeah. yeah. Comcast was totally cool with running a coaxial cable from the pole in front of my house to my house. They're nice. But yeah. Um, what, what did you say the fastest state was again? The fastest state was Rhode Island with 129 and then New Jersey oh. with 120. See, I, I I was just thinking that uh, about using this map as as a way to choose where I'm going to move. But the <laughs> downside is you have to live in New Jersey and I, I I'm not worth it. Yeah. Then Delaware, then Maryland, then the District of Columbia. Oh, hell no. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Then Virginia and Massachusetts. But coming in at number Please. eight, Texas. OK. OK. Now we're talking now. <laughs> number nine, uh, California, uh, 10, yeah, New Fletcher, York. <laughs> is there is there anything good near you, Fletcher? I hear you've got great Internet. <laughs> He has horrible internet. Oh, that's right. Which is why his audio stream is all he can do. He couldn't even do the Fletcher video stream if he wanted to. No, which, that's why he's got Carolyn for that. Which you have to, again, understand. And, and Toronto's got pretty good internet, I'm told. Not all places in a state are created equal. Here in Illinois, I'm sure there is much better saturation right around the Chicago area than there is out in the middle of farm country in central or southern Illinois. So these numbers can all be taken with a grain of salt. But when the slowest average median in the country is 54.4 megabits per second, then, then you're doing all right. Yeah. You're doing I mean, okay. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to sign up for the brand new JSON video that's coming up in, in from Silicon Valley. But I, I, for the most part, you get what you you can open a lot of IRC channels that way. Yeah. See, Mike made a good point that the government just wants faster and he faster and faster speeds. So they can just spy on you to keep all your stuff in the cloud, which I mean, um, I would, I mean, and, although and, I would and, encrypt everything. But if if that was the if I had such high upload speeds that I could upload all my music and video to a service to back it up in the cloud, I'd be doing that. Well, I mean, there though, there is an argument for increased speed be, is needed because you you are an anachronism you actually download media you play from hard drives you invest in hard drives you yes. have a nas yes. who the hell has one of those i got like five uh, of them 
Yeah, well, the yeah, and that's all five of the ones in the south end of Chicago. And it only took like about a week and but, a half to get four working drives from Amazon to get that thing back up and running. The, the vast majority of people do not store media locally. They stream it. And that's where the need for bandwidth comes. You know, like uh, Bemlet, I was showing him. I'm like, hey, I downloaded this great album. He's like, oh, what's the name of the album? And I told him, he's like, oh, yeah, listen to that on Spotify right now. It's pretty good. He's not downloading anything. He's streaming it. And if you have enough bandwidth, then great. That works. I uh, will tell you the one thing that was nice about the whole NAS crash crash was originally the NAS when it was uh, totally open. Nothing on it was 12 terabytes of data. Now it's 18. So, yes, that's another six terabytes of data I can store. I, I thought you were going to say the best thing about the NAS crash was the TikTok videos of the UPS drivers dancing on your drives. That, that seems to be what it was, although they're Amazon drivers. I don't understand. This one also came uh, completely without a box, just in the static bag with nothing wrapped around it. No padding whatsoever in an envelope, which it's like, I do. I don't get it. I don't know what you're saving environmentally not putting these hard drives in a box with some padding around it but i because can only imagine is that expensive new hard drives are cheap well no that's the opposite don't you understand uh no many, i don't think amazon understands yes how many hard drives are failing because of this and going into landfills because the drives are just crap from the beginning because they but get damaged external cost amazon's not paying for the landfills they have to pay for the padding true yeah, they got to pay for the padding. And although the company obviously selling them to Amazon or through, I, I don't remember ever having a hard drive that didn't come in its own box with a little crate, you know, cardboard on either side of it to keep it not moving around in that little box. But I guess things are changing, man. I don't know. But and I need the NAS. Speaking of externalizing costs, we should probably thank some experts. We do have some experts to thank on today's show. And I'm glad he, his meeting got done because cold acid has been in the troll room trolling along. And he is our executive producer for today's show. He never sends in a note. I think he usually just wants us to remind people. He he, he sends notes in the troll room all the time. Wait, I, maybe I have him ignored. I don't think he gets any work done on Monday and Friday <laughs> afternoons. Probably not. He is a professional podcaster himself now that Abel Kirby from Rare Encounter has added him into the show so it's really made that show a lot better if you're into anime and board games and uh, some very weird hentai stuff i don't even know what they're doing over there on uh, rare encounter but it's rareencounter.net i know it's a monthly donation which is why there's no note but you know when it's coming cold acid and if you ever have something that you want the experts to know about you'll let us know but we always like to tell them that this is cold acid, always with a lowercase c, and he does a podcast with Abel Kirby called Rare Encounter, and it's way better as far as a release schedule than Maps with Matt. So you should check that out. And setting a high bar there. We thank you for your support of the grumpiest show in the universe, Cold Acid. It is. It's a low bar. We like to set a low bar. It's the only way. It, it, we have to. The only one we can get over. Exactly. It's the only one we can get over. So we won't ask you to do something we can't do ourselves. Coming in just during the show, so it's not on your list, but 3333, the double magic number from Surly Mofo, who just says T-Y-F-Y-S. Gents, thank you for I your service. I knew there was a reason I liked that guy. 
he is a mofo. And, he's and he surly. is surly. Yes, he is surly. And he's a mofo. It's the way we like him. I, I, you know, go go back to, you know, certainly is one of those words that's used for for somebody who who speaks gruff. their mind and doesn't go all passive aggressive and smile when they hate you inside. So I I approve. Yeah. Speak <laughs> the truth. Sir Lee is just his name is Lee. So maybe be. I got him all wrong. Maybe he's actually a really nice guy and he's not surly at all. Maybe he is Lee and he's also surly. And then and maybe maybe his last name really is Mofo. I I, I don't judge. <laughs> I mean, you can change your name to anything as long as you don't have a blockbuster video on your. If I were going to change my name, I'd change it to Mofo. <laughs> Sir Pembroke's Mofo. Is that what you'd be going for? That would. Uh... Yeah. I'd be, and from America's left coast, I am Ryan Mofo. Go, I, go, I just want the video of you going to the DMV or wherever that kind of paperwork is done and being like, I'd like to do this. I'll make sure to post it on TikTok. Okay. I know you switch what TikTok.com slash Bemi, B E M M I E. That's probably uh, it, a horrible. It's, it's it's only fans. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you go there and it's horrible, don't blame me. It was a joke. <laughs> and if the account doesn't exist, by all means, create I, it, it and you make know what? a Bemrose account. Go there and it's horrible. Don't blame me because I told you not to use TikTok. That's true. Uh, coming in at 20 bucks, our buddy Lavish, who says, thanks for all, gentlemen. I, do you do you recognize yourself as a gentleman? Or, no, uh, he's thanking. He's got to be thanking someone else. Must be. But thank it, you, lavish. Yeah, I thank you for the money. I think you meant to send it to another show, but we'll keep it anyway. Yes, I mean, there's no refund. That's a very clear sign when you send in the donation. Buyer beware. Yes, by <laughs> caveat emptor. Learn Latin, and then you'll know. And coming in with fifteen dollars, our buddy from the streets of Detroit, without a cool guitar. And but he's probably drinking malt liquor. It is net Ned, 15 bucks says NASA mofos. And yeah, we got to have the NASA. You, you really you don't have a NASA or do you? I might. OK, I, was gonna I just say, don't talk about it all the time because mine's not constantly failing and being replaced with drives that have been used as soccer balls. Yeah, I know. And this, it seems as far as I can tell, moving stuff from the external USB drive that I backed everything up to. It seems like it's fast enough. I know everybody was giving the Western digital red drives a bunch of crap because they change in their cheaper drives. It's like, you know what? I don't need super speed on a network attached storage device for saving old television series. As long I, as I it have, streams, that's all I need. I have an HP home server from 2013 that has just been chugging along and doing whatever it is I need it to do. And it had all of its drives are internal, so it's not upgradable. In fact, uh, uh, the the drive bays are all non-standard, so the you can't really put you can't order new drives and put drop them in without an adapter. So I'm not I'm not going to touch it when it <laughs> dies. I'm like I'm don't need yeah, maybe not <laughs> just replace whatever. I would still it, it was, like it was back back in the day when Microsoft thought they could make home appliances didn't work out so well. Well, like everything that Microsoft does, they. They always abandon the technology shortly before it has a chance of being successful. That makes sense. But we could always use the NAS donation. So thank you, NetNet. I would still like the mother of all NAS boxes, whether that is I, I have enjoyed after having the Western Digital one. I've had a Buffalo NAS. I've had the QNAP, a couple of those. One of them, thanks to our buddy Guru Finley. Hope he's doing good after his back surgery and everything's going well. And the uh, Synology, is it? I always say that wrong. It's uh, Synology, Synology, whatever it is. 
that out of all of those, the QNAP has been my favorite. And QNAP does make some of these devices that handle like 20 or 32 drives, something like that. I would like to do that at some point or just get a really big box that I can throw something like Unraid. And there were other suggestions. I think our Bacon Dude, Rayford Bacon the Third, had suggested there was something that was free where I think uh, Unraid, you have to pay a licensing fee, which I'm fine paying the licensing fee if the software is good. And if it's just a set it and forget it kind of thing. But that's what I would dig is something that I can throw so many drives in that I wouldn't have to worry about having. And then I can use all these old NAS devices to back up the big NAS. And then (laughs) (laughs) you're still in your dreams of the Uber NAS. Yes, the Uber NAS. I have dreams of the Uber NAS. And if you want to, if you want to contribute to our crazy dream, you could do that. I wanted to call out. One other thing about Sir NetNet, and that is if, if you weren't aware, um, I, I believe, I think, I think it was him, uh, was on the Hog Story show last night. If you want to hear his, his stunning voice and amazing antics and, and knowledge, uh, he, he says in the troll room, he just came out of the server room. So thank you guys. Well, thank you, Sir NetNet. Um, and, uh, I wanted to call out that, uh, NetNet sounded pretty damn good. He was almost as good as Carolyn. Wait, how is from what? Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Carolyn has has the same channel strip I do. It sounds fantastic. So uh, okay, you're just meaning audio quality, or are you just are you dissing Fletcher because you're like everybody on that show sounded good? No, except no, no. Fletcher. I'm not dissing Fletcher. I leave that to you. <laughs> so how did how did Hog Story get uh, Net Ned? And he's a dude named Ben. How did the yeah, Hog Story get him first? Because they are one of the most successful uh, interview shows in the Thursday night slot. Oh, it's a Thursday night. See. We have a really hard time getting people with jobs on our show because we do it on Mondays and Fridays. Yeah, we do. We do it on workday mornings. Of course, we're not going to get people on our show. Uh, We we do this all wrong. But if you want to contribute to us doing wrong, go to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate. All the information is there. Click the donate button for a one time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or addresses for Bitcoin, Cardano and Ethereum. And people are asking, when's they're going to have the grumpy old Ben's Cardano steak? You know, it's like, I, um, I don't know. I don't think we're, we're planning on doing that anytime soon. Now, if somebody knows and uh, how I to set like these, steak. Kind, you know, how to set something like this up. I mean, we're, we're going to kind of go the no agenda route here that if there's somebody that knows how to set something like this up, like I use the two miners thing when doing the uh, Ethereum mining. And part of the deal is to be a part of their pool that they get one percent and i think that's absolutely fair if somebody knows how to do that and wants to set up something that we could have just fans of the show kind of uh contribute and the experts and the gurus all get together and then we can set that up just let us know what that would entail and of course we Mm. have the p.o box address as well if you want to go that route which means nobody gets any any cut except for uh uncle sam he gets a stamp from usually it's from your bank though so you don't have to pay it and that all works out. And we appreciate everybody for one listening to the insanity that we spew. And we really appreciate our experts who come in and help us financially to keep the lights on, the microphones humming. I mean, you know, you could that 
RE320, you should be getting a new one soon because these yeah, things yeah, break. I don't know that we want the microphones humming. That's what happened to Adam. <laughs> right. That may be the problem. His microphone is humming. You're trying to keep the microphones humming. That's not what we want. I still think something's just going on. We're there. trying I to think, keep the ground loops out of the microphones. The, I think the NAS or something added a tap to Adam's line and it's like, oh, they did something wrong. They miswired something. So, uh, you know, you got to be got to be very careful with that. But thank you, everybody. Again, we do these shows live Monday and Friday at noon Eastern. Join us at noagendastream.com. That's where all of the cool kids and even meet us of the Fun Fact Friday show sometime hang out right now. Ninety three folks listening live to Grumpy Old Bands. If you're at work, we feel your pain. We're at work, too, right now. Uh, speak for yourself. I'm on vacation. <laughs> you're always on vacation. At least you're sitting in a real chair now. And once you move to this new microphone, the lazy boy had to be uh, had to be kind of taken back. You're in, well, I wasn't you... going to sacrifice audio quality. <laughs> so it, like you're not going to be like I, every other podcast. Well, I could have I could have been in the lazy boy. And, you know, if, if I was in the lazy boy, I'd sound a little bit like this. And you're probably getting the echo of the room and maybe the cat. And, and, and you know, that when when you're laying back, it's actually pretty hard. I could like. I could try to adjust the mic arm to be right in my face where the microphone has to be. But then every time you sit up, you bang your head in the mic. And I, at some point I'm going to get a ground loop. The RE320 <laughs> is apparently good with, you yep. know, it, it just made sense that I, I to sit down in a chair. And you know, the nice thing is the lazy boy is still right behind me. And it at this very moment has a cat in it. Oh, we'll see. The cat knows where it's supposed to be. See, Mike yeah. is ruining our numbers. He has three streams going at once. So we really maybe only have like five listeners. And Are you Fletcher, kidding? No, he's padding the numbers. That's true. We, we're that much more valuable to all of our advertisers. Thanks to see, Mike. So Fletcher says he has Monday off. Do you mean like this Monday or all Mondays, Fletcher? That's the uh, that's the question, because I mean, we're always happy to have Fletcher on. And Monday this Monday, I will be here. But the Monday after this Monday coming up, which is the uh, what's it? The ninth uh, that is, I will is, not. Is be that here. when you're you're scheduling your vaccine mutation? No, that's worse. The vaccine was, a, you know, nothing. That was a delight. But that's the uh, colonoscopy day. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I oh, know. OK, so you that did. Yeah. I did. Trust me, I'll have I'll have plenty of jokes prepared <laughs> for the following or during. I mean, if. Uh, <laughs> If Fletcher's off and you guys want to do a show that day, that's fine. If you'd rather take the day off, that's fine. Um, I think the fans will understand. I will be uh, probably late to the rock and roll pre-show on the 6th because they're making me go get a COVID test before the colonoscopy at the location, which is like a half hour from here. And that's like 830 in the morning, what allegedly. The so hell, cat? Yeah, the cats are they need a COVID test. No, the, too. the cat just walked up with an IDE ribbon cable in her mouth. <laughs> Where did it come from? That's the real question. Well, I got a box on the other side of the room that, of course, contains all of the the computer crap that I we that we never throw away. So I'm sure that's where it came from. But (laughs) what the hell was the cat doing carrying an IDE ribbon cable around? The cat's like, do you need this right now? I know you're doing a tech show. My cat is trying to set up a NAS. I think so. It wants to keep all of its catnip safe. No, kitty. Scuzzy. Get with the. (laughs) Hey, when your cats are dude named Ben, you know you're doing we, something we use right. Sata now. Yes. Yeah. Fletcher is off all Monday, so you and Fletcher can get together and we will let I everybody too get know. off all Mondays. Hey, as much as you can anyway. Yeah, as often as she'll let me. Yes, yeah, I can hear that. So, are you familiar with a uh a phenomenon called bluejacking? 
Yes, this is a Bluetooth exploit. Uh, yes, uh, of a sort. Um, yeah, it turns out, I mean, it's kind of an exploit of, of intended features used wrong. Uh, back in the day, bluejacking was, it was started in maybe 01, 03, something like that. When, when phones, flip phones, because everybody had a flip phone that only displayed text and, um, they all had Bluetooth. And of course, Bluetooth was such a cool technology that it was turned on for everybody by default. And, uh, there was a feature in a lot of phones. In particular, there was a, a Sony Ericsson phone that had this feature and a number of the Nokia phones where, uh, you could tell it to send contact data and it would send a, you remember a V card? Yes. The, Some people yes, still use would, those. Yes. That, that's the, the standard way of creating a contact. So, the way it worked is, uh, you would go into somewhere that you could see another person's phone. You would create a fake V card where the name is the message you want to give. And then you send that V card to the person and, uh, the person will get unsolicited a pop up on their phone that says something like, uh, you know, do you want to add a V card for I would like to rub your tits? And, you know, you're sitting there going, um, no. And of course, the whole point to doing this is you prank people or you want to see the reaction or you're just an antisocial douchebag. Um, <laughs> all all well, of the above. Obviously, uh, today, we don't just send short text to people. Um, we have multimedia available to you, which means, of course, what are people sending today? Videos? Dick pics. Oh, even better. I thought yes. maybe movies. Um. So, uh, the, the first article I read was about a, uh, a HuffPo writer. Um, and this, this one was from 2018. So it's, it's a little bit old, but, um, the title of the article was stop telling me to turn my airdrop off. And it has to do with a feature in Apple. Now I, I'm not an Apple user, so I wasn't aware of this feature. Um, airdrop is a, an Apple proprietary protocol that does similar to what you had where, uh, you can send people files and it's not just a V card. It's an arbitrary file um, where you can, uh, if somebody has their airdrop turned on and you are nearby uh, using Bluetooth, um, you can prompt a send and it will pop up a, a, again, unsolicited dialogue on their screen that says, do you want to receive this file from this person? And, there's really no getting around the fact that there's a yes, no button on there and you can always say no, but it shows a thumbnail of the file <laughs> so that you know it's the file you want. So somebody who has airdrop turned on and is walking through an airport or in her case, the London Underground, um, she said that she walked through the London Underground with airdrop turned on and received 150 unsolicited dick pics. Wow. And, um, I, I mean, I'll, I stay classy London, but it's not just London. It's people. I mean, what you, you have the ability to send an unsolicited pic to people and half the people in this world apparently just decide to take pictures of their junk. I, uh, maybe, maybe less than half, but it's, uh, so I, during that story, I, 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 my favorite was a quote from, uh, Dr. Justin Lemer, Lemeler, Lemeler, Yeah. I'm not good. Um, a Harvard University psychology professor. So you know, this is good. 
Uh, he says that the extremely common phenomenon of sending unwanted penis pictures to women could be attributed to cognitive biases that have evolved to help with reproduction. I suspect that the most likely explanation is that men are simply misperceiving women's interest in receiving photos of their junk. There's a large <laughs> body of research indicating that men aren't very good at determining how interested women are in sex. Um, Dr. Lemmler, let me give you an alternate explanation. Some people are antisocial jerks. <laughs> well, and uh, I think if you want to kind of spawn that off, the Internet age and the texting age has destroyed the ability for a lot of guys to communicate. I don't know why. And I'm sure it's, it's not just guys. I, or, or we're just going back to chimpanzee levels of evolution. And no, they're only communicating with their penis. Yeah, kind of that. This Which might is, be what you were saying. Yeah. I mean, this is it. I mean, I don't understand what the. You know, what the joy of sending out a randomized picture like that from somebody who's not going to know who it's from. It's yeah, like, it's anonymous. You know, it's How like, you in- I don't get like, it. Like, okay, if so, okay, let's suppose, let's go through the scenario here. Woman gets an unsolicited dick pic on her phone and she's looking at this going, huh, you know, I kind of like that one. The veins <laughs> are all in the right place or something like that. And she's going to look up in the airport and look around and be like, I wonder which one of these guys sent me this because I actually would like to get with it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know how that. Uh, it, it's sad. It is sad. But now I understand why dating right now is at a uh, at a weird combination of all of these dating sites and social media. And you hear stories like this all of the time from Girls that have, you know, an Instagram account or whatever social media, it doesn't really matter which social media account that gets stuff really uh, a little profane dropped into their private messages. And it's just like, do you really think like this is the best way to get somebody's attention to be like, hey, baby, want to screw? I mean, that's <laughs> that's the I don't know. It's sad how far it's, we've devolved. I, I mean, uh, this is this is the Internet version of uh, of wolf whistling to somebody who was walking by on the sidewalk and and uh, by the way it didn't work 30 50 years ago it doesn't work today <laughs> wait not, you mean those women passing the construction yeah, yeah, believe zones it or not now I, <laughs> I i i don't know this from firsthand experience because it turns out i've never been a woman walking on the street but i have been told by people who have actually been women who tell me that that doesn't work they want something a little bit more refined, you're saying? I, you know, what they're looking for is a little bit more whining and dining before you send them dick pics. <laughs> yeah, not whining and dining, not whining about your dick pic. I don't know. So, just in case anybody thought that I might go an entire GOB episode without bringing you a story of some Silicon Valley idea gone wrong turned into a security vulnerability, I've got one in airdrop. Oh, Ben Rose, why did you do that? It's what I do. <laughs> um, so airdrop, I told you, uh, they, the, the system is if, if airdrop is turned on, then you can receive the, you get prompts saying, Hey, would you like to receive this picture? Um, now obviously the, uh, most obvious way to not receive random unsolicited thumbnails saying, do you want to receive this is to turn off airdrop and that's right. totally viable. Um, the, the, 
The article saying stop telling me to turn off airdrop is uh, she says that if you turn off airdrop, it's equivalent to victim blaming and that instead somehow we should transform all men into not being uh, horny sleazeballs. Good luck with that. Uh, but uh, the other thing that Apple has provided you is a way to set your airdrop into what is called contacts only mode instead yes. of everyone mode. And the contacts only mode is intended to make it so that if you the only time that you can receive an airdrop and therefore the only time something pops up on your phone is if you are in the contacts list or if I think it's if you're mutually in the contacts list of each other and then you can receive it, which means that people who aren't in your contacts list can't send you airdrops. That's a pretty good feature Um, in order to enable contact contacts mode. Uh, what the phone actually does is it takes your list of contacts. It will uh, take their identity of some kind. They will hash it using SHA-256 so that you're not sending the raw contacts to people over the air. They thought about that. They're not, they're not saying, here, here's a list of all my contacts. Go ahead and tell me which one you are. That's uh, So they're sending hashes. Um, this is good because a, a hacked phone obviously can take that data and be like, uh, actually, I don't, I'm not in any of the, your contacts, but I'm going to go ahead and store all of them. So Apple was smart to hash these, but what Apple didn't do was add any salt to the hash. So, um, not necessarily a huge problem with names. The number of names in the world is, you know, the, the, you know what the problem with unsalted hash is, right? I mean, other than it doesn't taste good out of the frying pan. It's not very secure. It's. The the problem with an unsalted hash is that uh, you can build a reverse lookup table if the namespace is small enough. If if the source space is small, you can build a, a lookup table. So um, it's not really feasible to build a reverse lookup table of, say, address, because the number of addresses is such that you would have to store the, the reverse lookup table, by the way, is you you take everything in the key space, you hash it. You store the hashes and link them in a database. So, uh, I mean, that takes a few bytes per entry. So if there's a billion entries, it'll take a couple gigabytes to build a reverse lookup database. This is doable on modern hardware um, addresses. There's more like, you know, hundreds of billions. It's it's a little harder to do. Uh, but the place that it's not really working is uh, you can build reverse lookups pretty easily of say all phone numbers in your local area code. Oh, right. There's, there's only 10 million of, uh, in any given area code. Um, you can create a reverse lookup of, uh, you know, all phone numbers in the UK. There are exactly 1 billion um, all phone numbers in the, in North America. There are 10 billion, uh, you know, 10 billion numbers at a few bytes per means that you can build a reverse lookup table of the unsalted SHA 256 hashes of every phone number in North America using a few dozen gigabytes. So it's so possible. It, it is possible. And, uh, you know, or like maybe a few hundred gigabytes. I'm not sure. But it, it, the, the idea is, though, once you built the reverse lookup table, it's really a matter of um, your phone, which is in contact only mode. You initiate a connection to the phone and it will say, well, here's a list of all of my contacts, but it's the hashed list. And then you apply that hash list to the reverse lookup table. And now, you know, every contact in that person's database. Secure, don't you think? Yeah, at least every phone number, because that's what you're matching. Well, about. Every phone number. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, that's, um, that's beautiful. There, there is a connection handshake that's supposed to keep it private. Um, in testing, researchers the the researchers focused on um, trying to get it to. Uh, well, they one of the things they focused on was a social engineering attack in order to get around the connection handshake, um, and they found pretty successfully. One of the easiest ways that they found to get around was um, they would actually this this was almost a separate uh, uh, exploit was. It, it, the other way that they found to get around contact mode was they used a, a Wi-Fi blocker or a Bluetooth blocker that just some interferes, something that breaks the connection. So when two people are trying to use AirDrop to transfer things, they block it enough times that people will be like, oh, this crap doesn't work. Let me switch to everyone mode. Yeah. Nice. That I, I could see that if they if they're trying to get something to work. But this is a good time to remind people, I think, that especially your cellular devices have a lot of things running by default that you might not want to run, including Bluetooth, including the near field communications, including maybe your mobile data. If you don't want that when you're you know, at home, you only want to be going off your Wi-Fi or the other way, your Wi-Fi. If you don't want that on, know what's running on your machine and know how to turn it on and off. If you don't use like I don't use Bluetooth on my cell phone at all i don't use bluetooth no, earbuds i, I plug I've, in so turn it I don't off think i've turned on bluetooth on my cell phone in years now a part of that is i i don't have any any uh you know airpods or mobile you know, I, I don't connect my phone to my car if right. i want to listen to audio on earbuds i actually plug into the physical jack because having an android phone my phone still has a physical <laughs> headphone jack well i mean to be um, fair i mean that uh the free iPhone that we recently got, I spent the $9 or whatever it was to have the lightning to headphone jack adapter. So you can still plug in. They just want to charge you extra for it. Well, they want to charge you extra and you've got more crap hanging off your phone. Right. Yeah. More crap so, is good crap. Yes. More. There's 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 the theme of our show. More crap is good crap. <laughs> nice. Or Or maybe that's the exact opposite. I, maybe I, th- I think it's the yeah, opposite of what we're pushing, but that, understand what's running. And if you're not using it, turn it off. It's easy to go back that, in. That's the trick. If if you want, you know what? I'm not going to tell people never use AirDrop. I, I mean, actually, I might because I'm a Luddite and honestly, you know, screw those guys. But if you need to use Air, Air AirDrop to transfer a file, that's fine. But turn it on, transfer your file and then turn it back off. Don't leave that. That's the thing. Don't leave things running 24 seven just in case you might need them. Turn them on when you use them. Turn them because every every point, you know, even if there's no known vulnerabilities, even if if we don't currently have a hack for it, even if it looks really, really secure, uh, it's it's a concept in computer security called attack surface. And that is the more ports you have open. The more services you have running, the more radios you have listening on various frequencies, the more chance there is for you know, each one of them might have a small chance that you're going to get hacked that way. But the more times that you roll the dice, the more chances you have of coming up snake eyes. That makes so sense. Turn off services you're not using. If if you want to use AirDrop in a, a busy airport terminal, then then you do you, but just understand <laughs> that it might not be the best place to do it. 
Go, and, go stand in a Faraday cage for that sort of thing, maybe. And, and at but least turn it off when you're not using it. And at least take tasteful pictures. Get good lighting. Frame it well. Yes, yes. And for the guys in, <laughs> yes. For the guys in the, you know, like, get a white box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. Come on. I understand. Uh, you, but if it's a black box, there's no light. You can't see it. Damn it. Is that, is that better? Yes, maybe. Actually, these, it might be. <laughs> with, these, with these kind of photos, maybe. I mean, we've gone full circle. Uh, I think today's, uh, I think today's yeah. opening, uh, cold opening and title, I think has to be your favorite line. I think of the show, which is Biden taps Harris. <laughs> I, 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 I do not endorse or, or approve of anything. No, I, we, can I, we can, we, we, I should eject out of this episode now. That's a good Especially idea. since uh, Phone Boy and Viking over on No Agenda Social are currently talking about things that Jay Inslee is doing that are going to make cost of living even higher in my state and we should probably exit the show before i start ranting about that there is plenty that we will be talking about and discussing when we see you next week on monday here at the same grumpy old ben's time the same grumpy old ben's channel tune in noon eastern time no agenda stream.com until then I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where eh, who cares? And from America's left coast, where I didn't write out anything pithy to say, I'm Ryan Bimrose. Obviously, I didn't either. We need to do better work at this exiting the show. Maybe we should stop phoning it in. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) 